Hey, this is Joel Allen, the host of Biblical Conversations, a place for honest conversation about ethics in the Bible. This episode, you can see, is not uh, in sync with the other ones. It's not really a part of Biblical Conversations. I'm actually using my podcast as a way to deliver class content to students at Dakota Wesleyan. So it's I shouldn't even have opened up with Biblical Conversations because that's really not what this podcast is. I uh, am, am going to be using the podcast for educational reasons, and if you want to hear the story as to why, I tell that at the beginning of the first talk, which is just in a few minutes. But, um, but uh, so I've, I've got another episode coming up of Biblical Conversations, a conversation with Betty Oldenkamp. I'm excited about that. Uh, we had a very nice conversation uh, the other day and got that all posted and ready to go on Tuesday morning at 8.30. So anyway... Um, so if you're interested, if you're a regular listener to Biblical Conversations, you can go ahead and listen. It's a talk about Pascal and Pascal's wager. So this is more of a philosophy of religion topic or, an, uh, yeah, a philosophy topic. And um, so, but this is for students in my, my Dakota Wesleyan's course, uh, Religion, Philosophy, and Ethics, REL 141. So if you're in that class, you're in the right place. I will post the PowerPoint slides or the Google slides in the show notes, and I'll also post them in the link. So they'll be available several different places. Thanks a lot, and uh, enjoy the class. I hope you're doing well in this very unsettling time with the uh, coronavirus uh, giving everybody uh, some anxiety. It's really a, kind of a scary time. But, uh, but God be praised, we're going to thrive through even the toughest of times. God is our refuge. God is our strength, a very present help in times of struggle. Therefore, I shall not be moved, nor shall I be dismayed, even though the mountains are thrown into the depths of the sea. Hey guys, this is a strange thing, isn't it, that we're going through? Uh, I just want to encourage everybody to remember that we're going to get through this. I know that there's a a lot of anxiety out there. I was just talking with my daughter about the anxiety she feels. And she said, you know, I read stuff online and people are really like, you know, fearing that this is going to turn into some kind of zombie apocalypse. But I want you to think about something. How would you feel about this if you had never seen a zombie apocalypse type movie, an end of the world type movie? If you had never seen any of those types of movies, your feelings would be very different. You wouldn't be as anxious because... Because your mind goes there. My mind goes there because I've seen, you know, enough of those movies myself, although I try not to watch that kind of thing because it's unnecessary anxiety. But anyway, I think that we're really freaking out about this more than we need to because we have all these images in our mind of zombies crawling around and, you know, nobody fears zombies, but just kind of this massive meltdown and I, you know, we're not going there. Um, you know, we're, we're going to get this under control. It's, it's a disease that we don't have a vaccine for, but we know how to handle. We know how to manage. And um, we just have to do it. And we are doing it. We're taking these pre- drastic precautions. And the economy will take a hit, but it's fundamentally sound and we'll bounce back. And uh, so I just feel like, hey, let's uh, be encouraged and and not freak out too much about this really uh, difficult thing that we're going through as a nation. 
So today I want to talk to you about Pascal's Way. The reason why I'm doing this in a podcast is because I tried to do it the way I first told you guys I was going to do it. And it, <coughs> excuse me, it just didn't work. It just didn't work because um, basically because there are so many people on these learning management software systems trying to get their classes uh, up and running for to be online that it's just clogged up and it I, I shot like a five second video just to see how it would work and tried to log it into the system and it just sat there half an hour later it hadn't even done one percent of the processing so uh, it just isn't going to work. So I think everything is kind of melting down. And I thought, well, let's just move it to a podcast uh, uh, platform. I know how to do podcasting. And so so anyway, Pascal, let's talk about Pascal and his wager. So I'm going to move to slide two. So it, remember, I gave you the link to the Google to the uh, podcast and then the link to the uh, Google slide. So if you can, if you're sitting where you can do this, um, have the slides open and I'll give you the numbers. So on two, there's, so there's a picture of Pascal. It says Blaise Pascal, 1623 to 1662. Died at 39 years old. Very interesting guy. Next slide. Pascal's life. He was born in central France in 1623. It was a time of great uh, skepticism and unbelief. A lot of times we think of like old timey days when everybody believed in God and Jesus. Not, not at all. In France at this period of time, in Paris especially, it was very, very much uh, a, a, a city that was, um, was broadly, commonly, uh, I'm turned on water. So that's what happens when you're walking around your kitchen at your house talking. Okay, so uh, yeah, there's tons and tons of atheism, agnosticism, apathy, skepticism of all sorts. Uh, it was a very time of a lot of, of a huge increase of atheism. After the Thirty Years' War, there was just such a rejection of all things religious in, in a lot of areas of Europe. And so, uh, so this is not a period of time where everybody believes in Jesus and loves the, the Holy Trinity and the Virgin Birth. It's not that. So um, at three, his mother died. He was raised by his father, who was a tax assessor. And um, he was very ill growing up. He was sick much of the time, but he was also considered one of the greatest geniuses that ever lived. So let's go to slide four. Uh, he was an, international, or in, an intellectual and international, but mostly not, mostly national, rock star of Paris uh, at that time. He, people were crazy about, uh, about intellectuals. They were almost like, like you know, uh, great athletes they just thought of intellectuals as you know rock stars almost that kind of status and uh, he was the most famous intellectual in uh in paris at that time he absolutely loved math and was uh was did it so loved it so much his father had to hide math books so that he would read other things but he would just read math books all day and when he was 12 years old as he his father had taken the math books and so he had to figure things out on his own and he decided he was going to figure out the postulates of Euclidean geometry on his own, which he did. He, he, uh, he uh, just figuring it out with pen and pencil, pencil and paper, uh, came up with all these postulates of Euclidean geometry. He also developed probability theory, which is still used today as the basis of a lot of mathematical algorithms and that kind of thing. He was a probability theorist, really the, the first uh, 
progenitor of probability uh, mathematics and theory. Um, he was the first person to develop atmosphere or to measure atmospheric pressure. He designed the, uh, the Paris's first omnibus system. I think what it was is he actually laid out, plotted out the, the, where the, the, um, the buses would go. It was the first public transportation system they had in Paris. And, and he kind of plotted it all out. It was extremely complicated with this big, massive map. He had to put exactly where all the stops would be as where people could get in and out most efficiently. So they needed a person to do that. And he was just still a kid, but he was so famous for being incredibly smart that they asked him to do this because they needed an incredibly smart person. So next slide five. Uh, he uh, designed a, a calculator, one of the first calculators called the Pascaline, named after him. And he did it for his dad so his dad could calculate taxes. Oh, isn't that sweet? He loved his pops and wanted to help his pops out. So he created this Pascaline calculator. But something very odd happened to him in 1654. Uh, this person who was very ambivalent and am apathetic about religion suddenly became a very, very serious Christian. And people thought it was very odd, like he didn't care about God one day and the next day he's talking about Jesus all the time. And so, um, so people wondered, well, he didn't say specifically what happened, but, but people really wondered about it. And then when he died, um, they were kind of going through all of his, his uh, apartment in Paris and they found in his coat a, uh, they could tell that a scrap of paper had been sewn into, inside of one of the seams. So they actually tore it out and pulled out of the seam a kind of a, a letter or a testimony that he had written down on the night of November 23rd, 1654. And so, so basically it was he had some kind of spiritual experience that night no one really knows what this is. He didn't really talk about it, but he called it his night of fire. And he wrote this fire. Okay, so the, the text, it is chapter, it's six, slide six. Fire, God of Abraham, God of Isaac, God of Jacob, not of the philosophers or of the learned. Certitude, certitude, feeling, joy, peace, God of Jesus Christ, my God and your God. Your God will be my God, forgetfulness of this world and of everything except God. He is only found by the ways taught in the gospel, grandeur of the human soul, righteous father of the world has not known you, but I have known you. Joy, 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 tears of joy. I have departed from him. May I not forget your words. Amen. So, um, so there we go. That was his testimony of his night of fire. Whatever it was, he had a very powerful spiritual experience and started immediately uh, changing his topic of interest. So before that, he was interested in all kinds of scientific things. And after that, he was only really interested in religious things. So it's this slide seven called the Pensée. He wrote, he didn't write the Pensée, uh, but he started, uh, he wanted everyone to know uh, this experience that he had had with God. And, um, and so he started writing a book to convince his friends. He was kind of collecting his thoughts as to how to collect the arguments to convince people to believe that God is real, that God is true, that it's worth placing your trust in him, that uh, God is worthy of our worship and adoration. Uh, and then he died at 39 while this was completely uncompleted. It was, his apartment was just filled with 
these in scraps of paper with, message, with these thoughts that he had written down, just a collection of scattered thoughts. Well, his friends collected them together. They read these over very carefully. He had a, a lot of very close spiritual friends, and they published them, all these scraps of paper, in this collection called the Pensée, and that's, that's a spiritual classic. It's become a classic. I've read it a few times. Uh, it's a spiritual classic. So the Pensee has two basic points. First is the wretchedness of humanity without God. He really believed that without God, we just aren't, we're kind of half-baked humans. We're not full. We can't grow into the rich fullness of our humanity without God. And he believed that there are three ways that we can see this. One is a crisis of reason. We believe what we want to believe without good reasons. In other words, people can so easily make themselves believe things that just without having good reason, but because it kind of is exciting or titillating or, you know, or just because it's convenient in the moment, right? When we're getting worse about this, we just have an incredible tendency to say and believe things that are convenient or are what we want to believe for reasons that are other than the strict reason of, is it true? And so we, we have this crisis in our humanity, a crisis of reason and a crisis of passion. We, t- <coughs> we tend to be passionate about things that aren't really that important and, and unpassionate about things that are important. I mean, Pascal really believed we should be ca- passionate about God. We should be passionate about knowing God. We should be passionate about knowing uh, God's will for our lives. We should, we, and yet we're so unpassionate or apathetic about those things. And we're passionate about, about you know, gambling or going out to the bars or, or um, you know, sports, your, your sports team that you're crazy about. We're, we're, we're excessively passionate about things that are of no eternal value and we're not passionate enough about things that are of eternal value. And then he believed that we have a crisis of diversion as well. In other words, we entertain ourselves to death. And in his day, that was true too. Entertainment has only become more and more the thing with Netflix and social media and all those kinds of things. I mean, how many times in your discussion, I'd like to hear you say, how many times did you check your social media while I've, since I've been talking? I mean, it's probably been for a lot of you quite a few times. And when I'm lecturing, you see people doing it all the time. So we're diverted. We're distracted like never before. So uh, that's really some of the difficulties he had with our basic human uh, f- uh, foolishness. And, um, and, that yet, and yet, uh, yet there's a certain blessedness of life that comes to us when we uh, relate our lives to the, our creator. Uh, Pascal is broadly misunderstood. I was watching a video a while back of uh, this Harvard professor talking about Pascal, and it just amazed me. People always, and the video I had you watch on the crash course gets him wrong too. People always seem to talk about Pascal as if he's kind of this irrationalist, like there's no good reason to believe that God exists, but it's, it's the best bet anyway. So we just place your bet on believing in God because there's a possibility of an eternal reward. There's no good rational reason to believe in God, but, it, but you should believe in God anyway because it's the best bet. That's not Pascal. And so look at this. Uh, and I wrote, this is wrong there because I did. she says, Pascal, to summarize this, Pascal, I'm not going to prove that God exists. Believing God is just your best bet. That is wrong. 
I heard a Pascal scholar from Notre Dame uh, talk about Pascal years ago and have always kind of remembered what he said. And when I say years ago, this would have been in the 1990s, mid-90s, early 90s. Uh, his name was Tom Morris. He's uh, um, anyway, very well-known uh, Pascal scholar. And so Morris said that Pascal, and it, in my reading of Pascal, this is just blatantly true as well. When you're reading Pascal, all over the place, he's arguing that there are good reasons for God to exist. It's not like Pascal didn't believe in reasons. He believed that you should have reasons and more than reasons, but you should still have good reasons. So go to the next slide. This is uh, number 10. Pascal was a prag pragmatist. He was certainly not an irrationalist. He wrote the pensée, or he didn't really write the pensée, but was working on it uh, to try to convince his friends to believe. And as I said, France was a hotbed of skepticism, atheism, and apathy. And apathy was a big one. He was uh, trying to you know, motivate his friends who were like, uh, you know, maybe it's true, but I'm really just not interested. He's like, you ought to be interested. This is of something of personal value to you that affects your eternal state of your soul. You should care. So imagine a situation where uh, there's a lottery for $2 million with two tickets left, and you have two tickets to your name, $2 to your name, and you can buy one of those tickets for $2. So the lottery is for $2 million, you have $2, you have a 50% chance of taking those $2 and putting it on the lottery because there's only two tickets left. And uh, how many of you would blow your last two tickets for a 50% chance at $2 million? Well, I can guarantee you, if you don't have your hand up right now, you should, because I would too. Uh, of course, of course you would. It's just an awesome incredible possibility. Well, people have thought that that, that kind of what Pascal's saying about belief in God. It's just a great bet. And in a sense it is, but that's really not what Pascal was saying. Faith for Pascal was something a little bit different. It was, it was not just believing because there are good reasons. It was a little bit more than that. Okay, so and let me explain that. <clears throat> so faith for Pascal, here's what he, he was trying to convince his friends who would say something like this. So imagine Pascal has got all these friends that don't believe in God, and he's had this powerful religious experience, and he wants to convince his friends that they should believe in God too. And so, so his friends say, look, uh, you've given us all these reasons, Pascal. You've talked about you know, the, the remarkably, uh, the teachings of Jesus and how they're so amazing that they just seem like divine wisdom, uh, fulfill biblical prophecy, reasons for God's existence in terms of the creation of the universe and the beauty of the world and all of those kinds of things. So his friends would say, look, Pascal, we get it. We get it. There's a lot of reasons for believing in God, but here's my problem. I cannot generate in myself that kind of confident assurance that I have 100% certainty that God is real, right? I can, I, like, I've got a, you know, I can feel like it's maybe 75% uh, reason to believe, but I, I just can't get, faith is something that requires a 100% buy-in, and I don't have 100% certainty. I might have some certainty because you've given me all these reasons, but I don't, I can't get the ball over the finish line. I'm at, you know, I've got 20 yards to go and I just can't go any further because I don't feel it. I don't see it. I don't, 
Now, I can't gin up in myself that confidence to get over the top. And so Pascal developed the wager to kind of give his friends that last bit of how do I get, I have 80% confidence that God exists, but how do I get the next 20% so I can get up to the 100% place of uh, believing in God 100%. And Pascal said, here's the little statement here, we arrive at truth not by reason only, but also by the heart. So Pascal is saying, okay, reason has gotten you so far, heart will get you this next stage. This will open up your heart so that you can make that choice to go ahead and believe. And so, um, so even that little statement shows that all these other people that talk about Pascal as an irrationalist are wrong because he says, we arrive at truth not by reason only. See, he's saying reason is part of it, right? Reason is part of it, but not the whole thing. It's 75%, but the last 25% is by the heart. And so Pascal had that kind of perspective. Okay, go to slide number 12. This is a little breakdown of kind of how he did the statistical analysis of belief in God. Now, uh, so basically, God exists or God doesn't exist. And either we believe in him or we don't. So belief and disbelief. So let's start on the outer edge. Uh, let's say we don't believe in God and God doesn't exist. So what are we out? Well, really not much because, you know, maybe we've gotten a little bit of something, a little bit more kind of freewheeling attitude toward life. But, uh, but basically, you don't get that much by being right that atheism is true. There's not that much benefit to you other than maybe that confidence. I mean, when you die, you can't prove it. You can't go, hey, I told you God didn't exist because we're dead and we didn't go anywhere. You can't do that because you aren't anywhere. You're nothing. You're, you're, you've completely ceased to exist. And so you can't prove it to anyone that, there, that God doesn't exist. And, and what do you get? Maybe some benefit would be just like a little bit more, you know, freedom to live your life without a, a God breathing down your neck, maybe something like that. But uh, what if you believe in God and God doesn't exist? So let's say you really believe in God and you trust in God, you live your life for God, and then you find out, well, you don't find out, but when you die, God doesn't exist and your soul just ceases to exist and, and just becomes nothing. Well, if that's the case, you're not really out that much because you know being a Christian has maybe put you in church more, maybe it's, you know, but actually there's a lot of evidence that living a Christian life has a lot of benefits to it, right? You know, there you are, uh, and I'll get to that in a slide coming up, but, but you're, at least you can say you're not out that much, you know, you, it's, it's, you, you live, you can live a re- very rich and full and happy and satisfying life as a person who follows God as a believer. <clears throat> so, not believing, if God doesn't exist, it just doesn't add much value or take away much value, whether you believe or you don't. But if God does exist, so we're pulling it back to the first panel, God does exist, then things become a lot more important because if God does exist and you don't believe in him, you're endangering your eternity with God. You're, you're, uh, you're more likely, and I, I wouldn't say you're certain, to go to hell if you don't believe in God, but you're not cultivating that possibility. You're, you're endangering your eternal state of your soul. But if you do believe in God, you're, and here I would say, maybe I don't know exactly uh, how Pascal would put this, because, uh, but, but 
it's not as if believing God assures you a ticket to heaven. Nobody believes that, but it gives you a lot better chance because you're going to be living in a world where God's a reality and God's a part of your sense of the universe and a sense of yourself. And so you're going to put yourself in a better place to develop a kind of relationship with God that would lead to an eternity in heaven. So it's not, uh, if someone understands Pascal is saying, you don't believe in God, you go to hell. You do believe in God, you go to heaven. Pascal wasn't saying that. He wasn't that simplistic. Of course not. But he was saying that you, you do endanger this extraordinary gift by not believing, and you do uh, help to ensure that gift by believing. And it's a hugely important gift. Of course, it's a hugely important gift. And, um, and so it's a benefit to believe in God. So the next slide, 13. He, so Pascal does believe that, that atheism and apathy are just bad bets. They're just not, you, you're getting some benefit in the meantime, or you might think you are, but you're endangering this eternity with God, the greatest possible good that, you know, and, and you can say this, that if God does exist and if God did create us in order to have a relationship with God, then having that relationship with God is the greatest good we can experience because it's why we are made. And so I think with that sense, uh, Pascal can make some sense. Not if we think of it too simplistically, you know, like believe in God, ticket to heaven. Don't believe in God, ticket to hell. It's not that. It's not that. But it's saying something more like if you do believe in God, you're moving. If you do it intentionally and do it with like an open heart and really seek after God, then you're, you're moving into the greatest good your soul can experience because you were created by God for a relationship with God. In other words, if God exists and God did create us for a relationship with him, then having that knowledge of God is the deepest good you could possibly experience. And so, um, so they believe that these are just bad bets. A risk of not believing, the risk of not believing is infinite, and yet the costs of believing are finite. In other words, it doesn't cost you that much to believe in God. It might cost some, but it doesn't cost that much, to, not typically. Now, if someone lived in a, like a country where it was you know, illegal to be a Christian and there was great suffering caused by, you know, by say, if you lived in, in communist China in the days of Mao Zedong, uh, it was very, very much a, a great cost to believe, and often they were, had to, were imprisoned. So, um, but the benefits of believing are infinite, and so the benefits of believing would always outweigh the temporary costs of the suffering someone might experience if they have to go to prison for being a Christian, as has happened many times. So atheism is just a bad bet. So that's slide 13. Let's go to slide 14. So uh, let me, uh, just a few quotes, Pascal. I should be much more afraid of being mistaken and then finding out that Christianity is true than of being mistaken and believing it to be true. So he's like, I would, I really should be terrified of being mistaken about Christianity. Like, I don't believe it. No God, no Jesus. No, you know, that's all hooey. And then finding out that it is true after I die and I've rejected it all my life, that should scare me. But if I make, if I'm mistaken, if I believe it to be true and it's not true, that's not a big deal. It's not a great loss. So just think about the probabilities here and think about the cost benefit analysis and you should believe in God. 
if you believe too much, you neither win nor lose eternal happiness. But if you believe too little, you risk losing everything. And there again, you see risk lo losing everything. He's not saying necessarily that just because you don't believe. I think there are some ways in which uh, grace can extend to people who are, uh, who, may not, who are not in the direct circle of those we typically think of as Christian faith. There's ways to understand grace as being broader than that. But, and so he doesn't seem to be saying it in a simplistic way here. Okay, let's go to the next slide, slide 15. Pascal realized that this was just a starting place. So, it, so he knew that if you believe in God just because of the cost-benefit of analysis, and even if you say, like if one of Pascal's friends can go, look, I'm 80% sure that God exists, and now with your wager, I'm 100% because I, I really see that being a Christian really is the best way for me to to get the best that I can. It's the, 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 it has the best uh, value for my uh, belief system here on earth, and so I'm going to believe in God. And uh, so Pascal would see that as just a starting point. That doesn't get you all the way. Faith needs to grow. It needs to become more real. If you just believe because you want to get the benefit of going to heaven, that's like baby faith. It's not the, hardly the real thing. You have to grow into it so that you believe just because of the goodness of God and you love God and you love God because God is the, the, the reason you're alive and not just because you want to get the goods of heaven. But that's kind of a baby spirituality and that's okay. You just need to continue to grow. And then a lot of times people would say, well, but how do I how do I feel this? I mean, I don't, I, I, you know, now believe in God, but I'm not feeling it that much. And he would say, there's a sense in which you have to fake it till you make it. There's a sense in which the way you get to be feeling more love for God that's pure and deep and not just because you want to get the benefits of heaven, the way you do that is by hanging out with people that have that kind of love for God. And it will, you learn it by doing it. There's a sense in which you need to kind of hang out in the Christian, you know, make friends of the people that truly love God and they will help you to love God. Hang out with believers and learn how it's done. He would have said, you want to cure unbelief and you ask for the remedy? Learn from those who wager, now wager all that they have. So you hang out with people and then you kind of learn, their, uh, learn to love their God. And even if faith isn't real, uh, even if God doesn't exist, belief in God has certain benefits. And actually, there's the, this next slide, theists have better lives, not because God is blessing them as some kind of reward, but because belief is simply has inherent benefits. There's been a lot of research done. In fact, the Oxford Handbook on Religion and Health, which came out a few years ago, it documents all the ways in which people who are involved in religious communities, and that's all they said, not you know, Baptist, Methodist, Catholic, whatever. Anybody that's involved in a religious community as, uh, as indicated by regular uh, um, worship meeting attendance, regular reading of scriptures, involvement in the community, if, you know, regular involvement in the community. If that's what you, you know, if you're involved in those kinds of things, there are benefits. There are clear benefits that come. You live longer. You have less likely to get divorced, less likely to use drugs, less likely to get all these kinds of great benefits. And um, there's really great new information on that that's, uh, that's well-researched. So let's go to the next slide. This is slide 17. We just did slide 16, and now we're on slide 17. I think I've missed mentioning that some of the slide switches there, but I think you can go back and follow.
So this one says, God wants to engage the will. Pascal believed that God created the world as it is intentionally because God wanted to engage the will and not just inform the mind. God created the world to maximize freedom so that we could, because God wants to engage our hearts, not just inform our minds. And um, so imagine, let's say you're out on a, you've got a beautiful sunset, you're watching this beautiful sunset, it's absolutely gorgeous. And you go, oh, how could anybody not believe in God? It's so beautiful. And then a mosquito lands on you and bites you and makes you sick. And you go, well, why did God make that mosquito? If God has, you know, has made this great world, why did he make this mosquito? And Pascal's answer to that was God created a world intentionally so that there was, there was reason enough, clear evidence enough to believe in God reasonably, but, uh, but that there was, uh, there was also reason to, there was also space for people to not believe. God created the world intentionally so that there was a lot of beauty in it, so that we could believe, but also room for people to, uh, to not believe. So nobody is forced into belief. So belief, rational belief, belief is rational while unbelief is possible. That's the way God, the reason why God made the world the way it is. He said, there's light, there's enough light for those who desire only to see and enough darkness for those of a contrary opinion. In the video, uh, and this is the next slide, slide 18. <clears throat> In the video, there is the discussion about Bertrand Russell's teapot religion. And I hope that by what I've already said, you can critique that teapot religion. I want you to um, explain in the discussion why uh, Bertrand Russell's critique is not a good one. And it's, it fits in with what I said earlier. Remember that Pascal was not saying that religion is irrational, that we believe in God just because it's a good bet, but not because there's good reasons. He believed there are good reasons to believe in God but that this past, the wager was, was helpful to get you up over the, the last bit, to get you over the fence and on the other side, to get you that last 20%, to get, your, you get to the last 20 yards into the end zone <clears throat> so that you can have uh, full belief. There's the next slide, 19, is um, <clears throat> a series of statements of Pascal, his own words. I'll just read the last one. We arrive at truth not by reason only, but also the heart. Oh, I've already given you that one. Not, we arrive at truth not by reason only, but also the heart. So the, the project for this, I'm not giving you an IMAP to do today, but you have a group discussion. So you should be able to open it up and a group discussion. Uh, you can talk about the Bertrand Russell's um, teapot and kind of provide a critique of it if you want. You can t accept it or reject it. I provided some perspective on it. But I want you to go to the day's conversation of the week in week 10 of the modules in the modules and respond by talk uh, to respond to talk on sorry respond to the talk on Pascal by answering either I think Pascal's argument his wager is convincing because and or I think Pascal's wager is unconvincing because all right so that's your project thanks a lot and this will be due uh, by March 19 midnight, but actually, if you have it uh, up and by the morning of March 20, 
that should be fine because I won't be grading it till then. Thanks a lot, and I hope you guys um, remember that God is our refuge and God is our strength at an ever-present time in times of trouble.